Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. Uh, Right, just introduce myself. Um, For those of you who don't know me, I'm Kate. Um, I'm married to Colin, um, who's a congregational pastor for Horsham. I myself work for the NHS as a psychological therapist. Although at the moment I'm on maternity leave, looking after our tiniest one, who hopefully <laughs> will work out with timings. We'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, uh, let me ask you a question. Um, who likes receiving gifts? Yeah, a good number of people. Who likes giving gifts? Yeah, okay, okay. So if you answered yes to both of those questions, that's probably a good indicator that gifts is maybe one of your love languages. If you've heard of the love languages, maybe. Um, For me, it is not my love language. I am rubbish at gifts. And thankfully, so is Colin. So that's all right, because otherwise birthdays and Christmas and everything would suck, because we would be rubbish at giving each other gifts. But thankfully, we understand each other in that. Um, So just a story on that note. A few weeks ago, um, I was going to be meeting a friend uh, from a previous workplace um, who has a little boy, and uh, he had a birthday coming up, and I know that they've had a really hard time recently. So I was thinking, oh, it's his birthday, I want to get him a present, but I am rubbish at gifts. Um, I want to get him something that means something, and I said to God, God, I want to get him something that that shows you how much you love him, and that shows my friend how much you love her, that you know them, that you're aware of their situation. Um, So I was like, God, can you you help me? I don't know if I can ask that or not, but can you help me find a gift for this little boy? So I went into town, and I was looking around TK Maxx, and I picked up this. This is quite a good gift. And I had this kind of internal, no, not that one. Went to the next one. What about this one? No. And just went through TK Maxx, just randomly picking up gifts and looking at them for a while and then putting them back. So it probably looked a little bit strange. Um, But I just kept thinking of this specific toy shop in my mind. So I thought, okay, I'll go there. So I went there and I walked around once, walked around twice, walked around three. I walked around five times, just looking at gift after gift after gift after gift, trying to think, what on earth do I get this boy? And every time I picked something up, it was like God going, And then I thought, uh, fifth time I walked around, I decided to look at the bottom shelf. So I'd done that, so I looked at the bottom shelf and suddenly came across this skateboard. And it was like a ding, 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 ding. Something just went, yeah, that's the right present. And I had no idea. He's a bit young. Is a skateboard a good present for that age? I don't know. I don't know boys very well. I have two girls. No idea. Okay, well, but that feels right. I feel like that's what God is saying, so we'll go for that. Saw my friend, gave them the present, he unwrapped it, and my friend said, How did you know? Did someone tell you? And I was like, What? And she said, He asked for a skateboard for his birthday, and I haven't been able to get him one. And um, I just, I nearly cried, and I felt a little bit embarrassed to sort of say, Well, God told me. So, um, but, but thankfully, Colin was there and he doesn't get embarrassed as easily as I do. So uh, he, he sort of piped up and said, well, actually, she, she asked God. She prayed what, what gift to get and that's what he said. And she said, wow, God really knew. And I just love how 
that just shows how God cares about them. Such a small little detail, a little boy asking his mum for a skateboard. He knows about that and he cares about that. And he wants to communicate to them that he loves them and that he's aware of them in a really ordinary and accessible way. Like through a skateboard. Um, and Colin and I were, were talking about it afterwards and he said to me, well, how did you know that that was God? Um, and I was like, well, to be honest, I didn't really know. Um, but I guess, you know, if it just been that isolated incident, I would have really not known. But over the years, I guess, you, you learn to listen to God, don't you? And you share what you feel God is saying. And then you get that sense of, oh, yeah, I shared that with somebody. And they said, yeah, that's really, that's really for me. And you really know that God is speaking. And so you learn to recognise his voice. And I felt like it's, it's like that, that over time, we become more familiar with how his voice sounds and feels. The more we listen to it and act on what he's saying and we see, oh yeah, that's God, then that means next time it's easier to then recognise his voice, right? So that's what we're thinking about today, about hearing God. And what an amazing kind of way to launch into that with people demonstrating that listening to God and hearing God. Um, And I just, you know, I'm... I'm not a prophet and I'm not an expert and I'm very aware that I'm talking to a room full of people who hear God. Um, I'm a very ordinary person. Um, but that's what's so great is that hearing God and listening to God is for everyone. It's for all of us. Um, and I really hope that the fact that I'm a really ordinary person, you know, I spend my days changing nappies and sorting out naps and doing the washing at the moment. You know, that's, I'm a very ordinary person, but I hope that that will be helpful because we want to be a people who know what God's heart is for us and that we're able to hear God's heart for others and we can share that in a really ordinary and accessible way. Um, For it to be part of our ordinary day-to-day lives, whether you work in a secular environment or you're a stay-at-home parent or you're you're with friends who don't know God, whatever it might be, um, that we can hear his heart. That's that's what this morning is about. Um, And I just want to encourage you, if If you've given your life to God because of what Jesus did on the cross, you have an access all areas past to God. There's nothing that is, you can't go there, you know? You have an access all areas past to God. He has filled you with his Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit reminds you of all that Jesus said and leads you into the truth. You have that Holy Spirit within you. That Holy Spirit enables you to prophesy Dream dreams and see visions, that's from Joel 2, revealing to you the very thoughts and heart of God. That's who you have inside of you. So this is for everyone. One of my favourite verses is Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. It says, seek his will in all you do. He cares. He cares about you and the details of your life, the people around you, the details of their lives. There's nothing too small for him, nothing too big for him. We are called to be his hands and feet. There's a really brilliant quote by um, St. Teresa of Avila, who was a Spanish uh, uh, nun in the 1500s. She said, Christ has no body on earth but yours, no hands but yours no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion for the world is to look out. Yours are the feet that which he's to go about doing good. 
and yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. So it's for us to communicate his heart. And my hope is that this morning will inspire you to listen out for God's heart for, your, for yourself and for others in new and different ways. And if this is a difficult topic for you, if, if hearing God is something that you feel you struggle with, please don't worry um, and please stay tuned in. Um, you know, I hope to encourage you that you already hear God better than you think. Um, and I just want to um, assure you, reassure you that I'm not being prescriptive this morning. I'm not saying this is how I hear God and therefore this is how you should hear God. God communicates with us in different ways because he's so good and so gracious. Um, and I just want to encourage you, if you're reading his word and you are doing what it says, you are hearing God. And that's really, really important. Um, and I'm just going to suggest that we slightly alter the phrase that we're using this morning. So I've been talking about, we're going to talk about hearing God, but I'm just going to slightly alter it. Instead of hearing God, we're going to talk about listening to God. And the reason for that might just sound like semantics, but the word hearing means a special sense by which noises and tones are received as stimuli. Sometimes, and yeah, sorry, I'll receive a stimuli. And to me, that phrase, hearing God, is, is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But for me it feels sometimes a little bit unattainable. Maybe that it can be difficult sometimes that I can't hear him. There's too much noise. Do you know what I mean? Anyone else would feel that? Um, and sometimes you can feel that other people have this special sense of hearing God, but you don't. Or there are times when you do have that special sense of hearing God, but you don't. Listening, on the other hand, is a very subtle difference. It means to pay attention to sound, to hear something with thoughtful attention and to give it consideration. So that's what we're going to be doing, is listening, paying attention. Um, in his book about hearing God, uh, which I will refer to a few times this morning, Pete Gregg says, um, the problem is not that God doesn't speak, but that we can easily get disconnected, distracted and distanced. And that can affect our ability to listen. And with that phrase, listening to God, it gives us a sense that there are adaptations we can make in order to hear him more easily. So we're going to look at a couple of biblical principles to start off with to help us know how we can better tune in and listen um, to God. And then I'm just going to give a few practical examples of things that have helped me um, better listen to God. And as I say, it's not prescriptive. Um, so ways that have helped me listen to God for myself and for others. And then we're just going to have a little think about how can we test um, whether something is from God or not. Because as um, Pastor Paul was saying earlier, it's so important that we do that. It's so important that we test things. So firstly, first principle we're just going to think about. Um, in John 10, verses 27, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That word listen means to perceive, to understand, to recognise. So, like I was saying earlier, we learn to recognise and become familiar with someone's voice through frequent interaction, don't we? So if you think of someone that you know really, really well, you would be able to, even if you couldn't see who they were, you would know it was them because of their voice. It's distinctive. So how do we do that with God's voice? How do we become more familiar with his voice so that we know when it is and when it's not him um, and I just if for a minute if we could just think of um, the Bible and Jesus as the language of God so 
it's through the Bible and through Jesus that we understand God and, and who he is and his character and his heart. So we can kind of think of it as his language. Does that make sense? So if we just use that analogy for a minute. The more fluent you are in a language, obviously, the more you can understand it, right? So I studied French and German um, at school, and as it is, sadly, with most Brits, that means I can barely understand a word of either language. Um, if you ask me where the library is or the swimming pool, I can understand you. I can't tell you where it is, but I can understand you. Um, if you tell me that you have brown eyes and a small cat in German, I can understand you. But most other things... Oh, I can also say I'm full in German. Um, but that's about it. And I think sometimes that can, something similar can happen with our fluency, if I can put it that way, in the word. So our fluency can be sort of limited. Um, and that, I think sometimes it means that we might struggle to perceive what God is saying in certain situations because our fluency in his language can sometimes be a little bit um, uh, restricted. Yes. Yeah? Does that make sense? Yes. And uh, I think a really good example of this is suffering. So um, in our Western culture, we are quite afraid of suffering, understandably so. I mean, I'm not saying suffering is a good thing, um, but we tend to view it in quite a negative light. And actually, that's a very Western thing. Um, and of course, there are plenty of scriptures that describe how God rescues us um, from difficult situations. But what do you do if that isn't what he does? If our fluency is only in those scriptures that he rescues us, and of course, and I'm pleased, I'm not saying he, we shouldn't ask him to do that, or he, he absolutely does that, and I've experienced that, you know, and he does, he does do that, but what do we do if that isn't what he does? We might start to ask, where are you, God? Do you not love me as much as you love the other person? Why haven't you rescued me? Why haven't you changed my circumstances? Understandable questions we might ask. We might struggle to perceive what he's saying in that situation. But if our fluency in scripture is more complete, I suppose, we might know those scriptures as well that describe how suffering can produce in us hope. That God promises to walk with us through fire and deep water. That our pain cannot compare to the joy that awaits us. That it cannot separate us from his love. And I just felt, while during the worship, I just felt... Um, Sometimes we can be really afraid of suffering and sometimes, for some of us, we might be really scared of bad things happening and that can turn out to be, you know, result in anxiety of some kind. I used to be really afraid of someone I loved dying and so whenever Colin went away anywhere, I couldn't cope. I would be hysterical whenever he left because until he came back, I would just be thinking, something's going to happen, so he's going to die. And I was just, I, because I was terrified of suffering... I was terrified of that pain that I would feel if something happened to him. And then God spoke to me through these verses. And I was like, I don't need to be afraid of it. I don't need to be afraid of suffering. Because he's with me. Whatever happens, he's with me. I don't need to be afraid of it. And I just want to say this morning, if that's something for you, if you are afraid of, maybe you're afraid of death, of illness, you're afraid of something happening to your loved ones, he promises to be with you in everything. He promises that no matter what you walk through, you cannot be separated from his love. He promises that whatever you walk through, it is nothing compared to the joy that awaits you. 
So if we are fluent in those scriptures as well, just to come back to what I was saying, we will be more easily, more, uh, more easily be able to perceive what God is saying in different situations. So whether he rescues us like he, he sometimes does or whether he actually wants to walk through us with something. And if this is a subject that you find difficult about, about suffering, I really recommend Timothy Keller's book, um, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. It's really, really, really excellent and really helpful. That's just a side point. So how, we, how can we improve or grow in our fluency of his language? So um, I grew up in church, but I, didn't, I would say I wouldn't, didn't really get saved until I was 15. Um, but uh, it wasn't until I was about 19 or 20 that I realised I'd never read the whole Bible. So there were sentences in there that I just had no idea what they said. It could have said anything in there. Um, and it sort of hit me, I really need to <laughs> read this book the whole way through. So I decided to read it chronologically, so in the order of events happening, um, rather than in canonical order, so rather than the order it's written in here. Um, and so it meant that, you know, you'd be reading one Kings and then suddenly there'd be a psalm thrown in there. And, you know, it's sort of, it's in the order of, roughly the order of things I think happen. And it means that you see things in context. It makes so much more sense. Um, it breaks it up as well. And uh, it's very impactful and it really came to life. And it really improved my fluency in God's language because I saw things I'd never seen before. Job is a really good example of that. If you've ever read the book of Job, it's a real eye-opener. Um, you know, in, in regards to what we're saying about how we view suffering. Um, and it's, of course, it's not that God can only speak to us if we know everything his word says and we know it perfectly, of course not. Um, but the better we know his word and the better we know the person and the character of Jesus, the more easily I think we can perceive and recognise what is his voice and what is not his voice. Um, there's a really interesting survey, it might come up on the slides. Um, it says 40,000 people, yep, survey 40,000 people, but actually I think it was a lot more than that, um, with a wide range of ages, and it looked at the impact of reading the Bible on their mental and spiritual health. Um, they saw that for those who read the Bible two times a week, there was a negligible impact. For those who read three times a week, there was a slight improvement. For those who read the Bible at least four times a week, there was a profound impact on the spiritual and mental health. And there are some, just some of the statistics there. So 30% less likely to feel lonely, 32% less prone to anger issues, 60% less likely to feel spiritually stagnant, and 228% more likely to be active in sharing their faith. Wow. Which is really, really like, helpful to know, considering the, the series we've just been doing on sharing our faith. Um, so just a personal story. A few years ago, uh, I had a period when I was dealing with something really, really difficult. And I hit a very, very, very low point. Um, and uh, I, was, I was just at rock bottom at this point, And it, I couldn't even pray. It took all of my energy, all of my discipline. I was just like, right, I, need, I just need to take this to God. I just switched on some worship music and just sat there. And then all of a sudden, literally dozens of scriptures started flooding through my mind. Um, verbatim and I really struggled to remember Bible verses um, it's funny I was praying with Jen earlier and I was trying to remember a verse and I was like you know that verse that says something about this thing and can it do you I just really struggled to remember whole verses and uh, but I remember gists if you ever need a gist 
I'm your person. Um, but I, can't, I really struggled to remember scriptures verbatim. And, and, but suddenly, literally dozens were coming to my mind. And ones that I couldn't even remember knowing. Um, and uh, they all were like an arrow in my heart, something that God needed to speak to me about. Um, and it, it, I think it just really demonstrates another reason why it's so important to grow in our knowledge of the word and what the word says. Because as, as we said earlier, earlier, the Holy Spirit reminds you of what Jesus has said, what Jesus has done. So if we, can, if we know it better, it's, it's easier to bring it to mind, right? Um, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If it's dwelling in you, then it's there when you need it. Um, Pete Gregg, again, in his book says, by training ourselves to hear God's voice where it's easiest in the Bible, we gradually learn to hear his voice everywhere else as well. We start to hear him in books that are not sacred texts and between the line of lines of newspapers and in conversations with colleagues who don't even believe God exists. When we root ourselves in scripture, the whole of creation becomes God's mouthpiece. So that's our first principle. And I know I've spent a while on that, but I think it's really important. Second thing is his voice may not always sound how we expect it to sound. Again, in his book, Pete Gregg says, occasionally God will communicate through dreams, visions, and audible voices, but mostly he will speak quietly in a still small voice as he did with Elijah in 1 Kings or sounding surprisingly ordinary as he did when the boy Samuel confused his voice with that of the old man in the room next door. Surprisingly ordinary. Um, and I think if we look at the character of Jesus in, in the Gospels, we can see that still small voice kind of in his character, the way he kind of responds to situations. Again, Pete Gregg says, could it be that the creator of the cosmos is meek and not pushy, humble and not presumptuous, unassuming and not intrusive? Jesus wears his charisma lightly. He seems perfectly content to walk away from the spotlight of human attention and adulation. All this is so far from our experience of human power that we struggle to equate it with any kind of God. Are we prepared for God's voice to sometimes sound still and small? Because if not, we might miss it. And again, this is where knowing his language, being more growing in affluence of his language, makes his voice easier to perceive even when it's still and small. That makes sense? So I just want to share a few kind of practical examples, things that I've found helpful. Um, Firstly, thinking about listening to God for ourselves. Um, uh, And I think it's really important to start here, listening to God for ourselves, because if we want to be able to listen to God for others, we first need to be able to listen to God for ourselves, right? Um, So with those principles in mind, Let's have a think about some practical things. So day to day, um, something I, whenever I'm coming to listen to God, to spend time with him, the first thing I, I always do is um, take some time to turn down background noise. And what I mean by that is things that we worry about, things that we care about, things that we want God's answer on. That's all background noise. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with someone in a loud pub or something? And I always have to like read people's lips because I just can't hear what they're saying and I often just nod and smile and that usually gets me into trouble if they say something I shouldn't be nodding and smiling at um, but there's background noise it makes it really hard to listen and really hard to hear so we need to turn that background noise down and for me I find writing out is a really helpful way of doing that so sometimes I might just write paragraphs sometimes I write pages it depends what's going on um, but as soon as I've written out it's like 
right, God, I give this to you. I cast my cares on you. Thank you that you, I can trust you, that you know what to do, that I don't need to worry about these things. That, so, I, I, so it means I can listen to him more attentively. Have you ever opened your Bible, um, hoping to hear from God, only to um, come away feeling frustrated and empty? If you have, is it because you haven't turned down the background noise first? Again, Pete Gregg says, pause to settle your heart before reading. If we hurry into the holy without preparing our hearts, we will see things not as they are, but as we are. And I wonder if this is a reason why God sometimes speaks in that still small voice. We have to learn to turn down that background noise. We have to learn to cast our cares on him so that we can listen. So I wonder if that's sometimes what he does. It makes me think a little bit of our three and a half year old you know she's really upset about something the best thing that you can do is just go really close and talk really quietly and just are you okay what's going on and it calms her down i sometimes think that that's what god does with us he talks quietly because we have to calm down and listen <laughs> so that's the first thing i find really helpful and usually while i'm doing that or maybe afterwards um, a scripture might come into mind Again, Pete Gregg. It's a really good book. I'm basically quoting a lot of him. When it comes to biblical meditation, interruptions can become invitations from the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to the unexpected trains of thought, the sudden promptings to stop and pray for a particular person, or to the words or phrases that stand out. So if you find yourself interrupted by a scripture that comes to mind, even if it doesn't make sense, pay attention to that. Um, I find that often God will bring a scripture to my mind and, I'll, and it doesn't make any sense, so I'll go to it. And when I look at the context, I'm like, ah, that's what, that's what you're saying to me. I think because he knows I remember gists. So he's sort of thinking, well, she knows that verse, so I'll tell her that verse and she'll, she'll, get, she'll get there. She'll cotton on eventually because um, he's very, very gracious. Um, but yeah, look at the context. Um, read it through, study around it. Be curious. I think it's so important to be curious when we're studying the word. Yeah, what if you come across a word and you're like, what does that mean? Look at it in the original language, in the Greek for the New Testament or Hebrew for the Old Testament. What were they trying to say? What was the original writer conveying? Um, read a commentary. Just whatever you need to do to really dig into that scripture. Um, Jesus spoke in parables a lot of the time. He didn't always speak in a, plainly. He didn't always say exactly what he was saying. Um, and I wonder if that's because he knew that those, were truly, those who were truly hungry would have to dig into his meaning. They'd have to meditate on it. They'd have to go away and, well, he said that. What did he mean by that? Did he, and they'd have to mull on it. And I sometimes think that's what we need to do with scripture. We need to dig into it. Um, and I find that when I've spent time listening to God in this way, the rest of the day I can recognise his voice so much more easily. Does anyone else find that? Yeah. Um, <coughs> You know, it might be that this person comes into my mind. I think, oh, I need to pray for that person. And God says something and I send it to them. Or I'm listening to a song. God speaks to me through it or whatever it might be. So that's how, what I find helpful for more kind of um, day-to-day listening to God. Um, but I also want to share a couple of examples of listening to God more directionally. So what if you have something where you're like, God, I, I want to know which direction I should go in. Should I do this or should I do this? Or do, those more, I suppose we could say, bigger decisions. Um, I'm just going to share a couple of ways in which God has spoken to me in that way and then draw out a couple of things from them. 
Um, so as I, say, I said earlier, I gave my life to God when I was about 15. Before this point, I was um, really struggling at school, um, not doing very well at all. My parents were worried I was going to drop out of school, and I was in a very bad way emotionally. And I gave my life to God, and I really believed he'd talked to me about becoming a doctor. Um, I can't actually remember how. Um, but nonetheless, I was nowhere near the point academically where I'd be able to do that. But, okay, God, I think that's what you're saying. So I started working really hard, um, and I applied to three medical schools and um, got into one. It was my last choice. It's Birmingham. Sorry, Birmingham. I actually grew to like Birmingham in the end. Um, uh, later, God told me to go to Bible college. Um, so here, Bible college here. So I deferred my university entry, came here to Bible college, and at the end of the first year of Bible college, I just had this sense like, ah, oh, medicine just isn't right. Something. I was talking to my sister about it, and she was trying to encourage me to say what I was sensing. And I feel like God's saying, I need to work with people's minds, not with their bodies. What is that? She said, what? Well, sounds like psychology. Um, so she, I was like, well, what if, what if I'm wrong? What if this isn't God that I'm sensing? What, is it, what if it's something else? Um, and she said, God's big enough and powerful enough to get you where he needs you to be. You don't need to be afraid. Just push the door and see what happens. So I called the university and um, said, could I change my degree from medicine psychology? And um, they said, oh, well, you're in luck because we're one of the only universities in the country that group medicine and psychology together. So you can change your degree. If you went somewhere else, you would have had to have um, uh, lost your place and then reapplied. And I just thought that was so interesting how I'd gotten everything I needed. And I really thought, yeah, I've got a real chance of getting into universities. And I only gotten into one, but it was the one, the, <laughs> the right one. Um, and I love how in that God spoke to me and I interpreted what he was saying. And I got the interpretation wrong, but I went after what I felt. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I went after what he was saying. Um, and my heart was in the right place. And he got me there, Amen. you know, and he was gracious. Um, and interestingly, um, last few years, God's been speaking to me about doing a, a doctorate. Um, so maybe that's what he meant when he said about being a doctor. I only realized that a few months ago. Um, so that's my first example. My second example is a dream that I had. Um, and we've heard this morning about having a, a dream. Um, and dreams are something that in Western culture we tend not to take very seriously. But in the Bible, it's a really consistent way of God speaking to his people. Yeah. So it's something we need to take seriously. Um, and of course, you know, not all our dreams are going to be from God. If your dreams are anything like mine, sometimes they're just bizarre. Um, and oh gosh, my subconscious is weird. Um, but you know, you'll know, I think, when it's something from God, because you wake up and there's a sense of something profound and something meaningful and something significant, and you can write it down. And sometimes you'll know exactly what you need to do with it. Sometimes you don't, that's fine. Just write it down. Um, pray on it. Um, so this dream I had, it was on the 9th of August, 2008. So that's an important date to remember, 9th of August, 2008. And this was before I came to the Bible College here. And in this dream, um, Rachel Imhoff, who's part of the congregation here, and Jane Urquhart, wherever she is, I don't know if she's in here. Ah, oh, she's with the kids. Um, so um, Jane is married to Pastor Clive. Um, they were in my dream and they said to me, you'll get married in five to six years time and we'll be at your wedding. And weirdly, in my dream, Jane looked like Scylla Black. 
uh, very strange. And I thought that was weird, but I wrote it down just in case it was significant. Um, I knew it was, you know when you know it's somebody, but they look like someone else in your dreams, weird. Um, and I tried for a while to work out what it meant. Does it mean this? Does it mean this? Of course, it's to do with marriage. So I was like, oh, maybe it's this person. Maybe it's that person. Um, but I just realised I couldn't work out what it meant. It was too cryptic. So I said, OK, God, I'll leave it with you. I wrote it down, hid it away somewhere. I'm not going to think about it. Um, finished Bible college, hadn't met anyone, and went to university. And uh, then started to... Um, build this friendship with um, Colin, who I'd met at Bible College, but we didn't fancy each other at all. Um, in fact, I said to him, I don't fancy you and I never will, um, <laughs> which was famous last words. Um, and this friendship with Colin started to develop and we started praying and then eventually we felt, yeah, this is right, and we started to date. And I purposefully, for obvious reasons, did not tell Colin about the dream. Um, and... Uh, then on the 8th of August, 2012, so remember that date, 9th of August, 2008. On the 8th of August, 2012, Colin was going to ask me out, but uh, the weather was bad. So he asked me out on the 9th of August, 2012, and I thought, well, I didn't say anything, but I thought, it's interesting, it's actually four years since I had that dream, that's weird. Then on the 8th of August, 2013, he was going to ask me to marry him, but I had a tummy bug. Um, he's, he said he'd arranged all this lovely stuff, and he's like, let's go for a romantic walk on these cliffs. And I was like, no, I've got a tummy bug. Um, so he didn't take me. So he took me the next night on the 9th of August, 2013. And I was like, that's interesting. That's exactly five years after I had that dream. Um, we got married in April 2014, which was just over five and a half years after I had the dream. And if you remember, it said five to six years, yeah. you'll get married and we'll be at your wedding. And when I had that dream, I didn't know Rachel and Jane. I knew of them through Faith Camp, but I, I didn't know them and they didn't know me. But I'd been through Bible college and that kind of stuff. So by that point, we knew them. Um, and so they were at my wedding. And then you might be thinking, what was Scylla Black about? Um, and I was also thinking this earlier as well. And uh, it wasn't until a few years ago I, I realised um, for me, I grew up watching Scylla Black uh, um, present Blind Date. Um, and I realised Colin and I were kind of on a blind date at, at, uh, at, at Bible College because, as I say, we didn't fancy each other at all and it wasn't until um, after Bible College that we suddenly opened our eyes and you know, saw each other properly for the first time. And that was actually really important for our, for our relationship to have that friendship first and what we both needed to walk through at that time. It was important that we didn't notice each other. So I think maybe that's what it went. But maybe it was just my subconscious being weird. Um, and I asked God, why did you give me that dream? Um, and uh, the Last Supper came into my mind. And remember what I was saying earlier, that biblical interruptions follow them. So <clears throat> I read the Last Supper thinking this makes absolutely no sense to what I've just asked God. read John 14, and I was reading the chapter, and I came to verse 29, and it said... I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you'll believe. I was like, oh. <laughs> thank you, because, you know, I know it needed a lot of reassurance. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, so, yeah, so a um, couple of things I want to draw out from those two examples. So firstly, sometimes God might speak with a clear direction, but sometimes God speaks a bit more cryptically, doesn't he? Like in, in that um, dream. Why is that? I think it's so that we trust him. Yeah. Not the word, not the dream, not our interpretation of that word or dream, but we trust him. 
1 Corinthians 13 verse 9 says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. So it's so important that we hold God tightly and our interpretation lightly. So often we do it the other way around, right? We hold on to our interpretation of what he said so tightly and then when it doesn't happen in the way we think it should or in the time we think it should, we start to doubt God's love for us or his character. We need to hold him tightly and our interpretation lightly. What if you're asking God for direction on something but you don't know or you're not sure what he's saying? Just like in that first example with changing my degree, don't panic because God is big enough and he's strong enough to get you where he wants you to be. Um, We would be in a a lot of trouble if God's plan was dependent on our ability to hear him perfectly. Um, Thankfully, we are not that powerful. Um, He is more than capable of opening and closing doors as needed. Just want to take us back to Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. That word, uh, seek his will, sometimes um, translated, submit your path, acknowledge him in all your ways. Um, It literally means to know him. And to me, that means know his wisdom. Know that he's wiser than me. Know uh, his goodness. He works everything for my good. Know his insight, his power. Know him in all your ways. Trust him with all your heart. Depend on his wisdom. Trust his wisdom and not your own. Because sometimes... God doesn't do things in the way we think he should, in the time we think he should. He will make your way straight and smooth. Sometimes we don't know which path to take. Sometimes you might be asking God for direction. You don't know what he's saying. But we can trust that if your heart is to do his will and we surrender to his will, we've submitted our path to him, we trust his wisdom over our own, he will make your way straight and he will get you where he wants you to be. We don't need to worry. We don't need to be afraid. He's big enough. He's powerful enough. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So of course we we seek him, right? And we want to do his will. It's not just that we go around doing whatever and he'll get us there. But we don't need to worry. If if we're submitted to him, we don't need to... Does that make sense? Listening for others. I'm aware of time, so I'm going to try and be quick. Um, So... uh, Listening for others, we might think of as uh, prophecy. So in a biblical context, to prophesy is to communicate the mind and heart of God. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 and 3 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, engaging, uh, sorry, encouraging and comfort. When we listen to God for others, we are seeking to communicate God's heart for them in order to strengthen, encourage, and comfort them. How do we know what we are hearing is from God? We'll come to that in a moment. But I just want to share a few examples of listening to God for others. So there's that example I shared earlier about the skateboard and how that was just a really sort of non-spiritual way of, of sharing God's heart for somebody. Um, what about if we want to have a more spiritual... <laughs> ask God for something a bit more spiritual than a skateboard um, and we're praying for somebody... Um, I find really helpful um, if I'm praying for somebody, holding them in my mind's eye, picturing them in my mind and just praying in tongues. Um, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Um, And I kind of 
feel like when you're, when you're praying in tongues, it's like you're having a conversation with God that you don't understand, but he understands. And I feel like you, you open yourself up to, to be able to listen to him, to hear him. And he can share with you a glimpse of his knowledge about that person, something they need to hear. So I find, it, I find that really, really helpful. Um, and sometimes if you do that, you might have a picture that corresponds with scripture. So, um, and it will always affirm scripture, obviously, but something that might, you know, remind you of a specific scripture. So recently, I had a friend who's not a Christian. Um, she was going into court um, under really difficult circumstances and she asked me to pray. And I had a picture of her surrounded by these huge wings. Um, and so I was reminded of that psalm um, about taking refuge under his wings. So I shared that with him, uh, with her. Um, if, you, if you get a picture but you don't know what it means, just describe it as best you can because God might give the interpretation to the person it's for yeah. rather than to you. Um, or maybe rather than something like that, it might be just an encouraging word. So I had a friend um, from university who's not, also not a Christian. Um, I was praying for her and I had a picture in my mind of her just looking really dismayed. But I don't really know what to do with that. So um, I just sent her a message saying, hey, just want to let you know you're a really good physicist. She's a physicist, obviously. Um, and uh, she sent me a message back saying, how did you know? I've been feeling really down today and thinking I'm such a rubbish physicist. <laughs> it was like, oh, God. And she knows I pray for her, she knows. Um, so sometimes we can, it can just be something really accessible and really ordinary like that that can just show someone that God is thinking of them, God cares about them. And just to share a really personal example, and this is going to involve me being a little bit vulnerable. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, Colin is a congregation pastor for Horsham, and sometimes I find being the wife of a pastor not the easiest thing in the world. Um, and I also don't always find being a mother the easiest thing in the world. Um, and both together sometimes can be really hard. And I think it's because there's a sense of a loss of identity sometimes, especially with motherhood, um, a sense of uh, sacrifice with both. And God's really spoken to me a lot about it, um, but sometimes I still find it hard. And a while ago, I was finding it hard one morning in worship, and I was just crying, saying to God, I find this really hard sometimes. And uh, I just said to God, God, I feel so unseen. And I didn't mean that in the sense of unseen by people. I meant like, oh, this, is, this is hard, this is a sacrifice, and I just feel like that's, that's really unseen. Um, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, five, ten minutes, I sorted myself out. Five, ten minutes later, I needed to get baby to sleep, so I went to the back of the worship hall and uh, happened to walk into um, Rachel Imhoff, who I mentioned earlier. She always seems to be around when I need to hear something from God. Um, and we just started chatting and she just started praying for me. I can't even really remember how. I, I didn't say what I'd been, that I'd been crying five minutes earlier. Maybe she could tell. Um, and she just started praying for me and she said, you are seen. And I'd just been saying to God five minutes earlier, I feel so unseen. And I asked her um, later, how did you hear that? And she said, she saw a picture of me and everything around me was blurry. And she felt God saying, I see Kate, she isn't hidden from me. And, um, you know, God, that, that said to me, wow, God sees what I have to give up and the things that are difficult and the things that I do. And he sees it. He sees all those things and it's okay. And I just <laughs> burst into tears again. Um, and 
uh, Jen's gone. I felt I was going to say I felt that's her as well, but I'll tell her later. Um, so very lastly, um, testing. How do we test? How do we know something is from God? I mean, that example, it was pretty clear that that was from God, but how do we test? Um, because it's important to remember both in communicating a word from God and in receiving a word from God that, as we said earlier, we know in part and we prophesy in part. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 20 to 22 says, Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. Pete Gregg talks about testing in his book. It's a really, really helpful book, as you can probably tell. Um, and one of the things he says about testing is to use what he calls the ABC filter. Is it A, affirming? Is it B, biblical? Is it C, Christ-like? So affirming, does it encourage that person? Is it biblical? Does it line up with what scripture says? And is it C, Christ-like? Does it reflect the person and character of Christ? And that's a really, really important thing if, if, if it needs to go through that filter, right? And there, there are times when God speaks and it might feel disruptive rather than comforting, um, but it will still always affirm scripture and it will always affirm the character of Jesus. And if we want to grow in our ability to listen to God, the ABC filter is a really good place to start. So if you feel a little bit nervous, you feel like God's spoken to you, but you feel a bit nervous about sharing it, does it, does it pass those three things? Is it affirming, biblical and Christ-like? Um, use careful discernment, which spiritual discernment is a gift we can ask God for. Um, neither, Pete Gregg says, neither accepting nor rejecting spiritual uh, words wholesale. Talk about it with someone. If you've had a dream and you're not sure what it means, talk about it through with someone, someone that you trust, whose wisdom you trust. Seek wise counsel. Check things against your personal conscience and common sense. Um, which, of course... Conscience and common sense are not the voice of God, but it can be helpful sometimes to check it against those things. Um, and sometimes it might be appropriate to wait and see. Um, so like I had to do with that dream I had, file it away for future if it doesn't make sense or apply now. So there is so much more we could say um, with regards to listening to God. And I really hope that that's been helpful in encouraging you inspiring you to listen to God in new ways. Hopefully, you know, it's really helpful, I think, sometimes to hear how other people listen to God because then that gives you ideas. Um, and in different situations, you know, my heart really for this morning was, and God's heart for this morning, I felt, was um, those who feel that they can't hear God to know that they already do um, and to just feel encouraged in that, but also for us to be encouraged to share God's heart with people in really... Um, ordinary and accessible ways. Um, so we're going to take a couple of minutes now to respond. Um, and uh, just in pairs, just going to ask you to um, answer a couple of questions that are going to come up on the screen. And the first is, what can you do differently this week to help you listen to God? So it might be an example I've shared. For me, personally, I want to listen to God for others in a more ordinary way, as I mentioned, more. Um, I feel challenged to do that, and I also feel challenged to grow in my fluency of what the word says. Um, and then the second question, is there someone you would like to listen to God for? And just maybe share about how you're going to do that this week. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.